Okay. Do you want to do some testing, testing, one, two, three, or is that all right? Yeah, that's all Levels good. Levels are all good. That's all good, yeah. Hello. Welcome back to Building Sustainability Podcast with me, your host, Jeffrey Hart. This month's podcast is with Ben Moss uh, from the Bristol Wood Recycling Project. Uh, this one was a pretty easy podcast to uh, decide upon uh, and certainly to get done uh, because I now work there. Um, I am working in their workshop and I make uh, furniture uh, from recycled materials. Um, so there's a, a big, big stash of, of uh, wood that's in their yard and I can go out and pick all of that and then I'm creating tables, chairs, uh, we're making a kitchen at the moment, um, what other things are we doing, benches, oh my goodness, yeah, lots of really exciting uh, furniture making, uh, which is nice for me because that's uh, returning to my roots, uh, I studied product design at university, so um, getting in the, the woodworking shop was always the, the best part of that degree, so yeah, really nice to come back to it. So yes, you will hear all about uh, Ben and how he set up the wood recycling project, what that is, um, a little bit about co-ops, uh, social engagement, uh, good stuff like that. Uh, it's a really excellent project. I am biased. I'm definitely biased, but it's a really good project. Uh, yeah, and even if you don't live in Bristol, it's a, it's a national uh, scheme. So there's wood recycling all around the country. As you'll find out, I'm telling you all of the uh, the spoilers up front. So, what should, what should I tell you? Uh, a couple of things to say before we get into the episode. Uh, first of all, thank you very much to Emily, who sent us our first ever bit of fan mail. Uh, it was very, very nice uh, to receive that. And we will definitely uh, drop in for some cake. Uh, next time we're up floating past Bradford, uh, Bradford and Avon, that is. Um, I'm actually due to take the good ship barefoot uh, up to Semington in uh, in a few weeks' time, uh, if the weather is is uh, receptive. Yeah, very much looking forward to setting sail on the boat, taking uh, taking her out again. It's been a few years since I've uh, cruised up the up the river, so uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Also, if anyone feels so inclined, uh, fan mail is always good. Uh, it's nice to uh, know that people are listening. But also, if you get a chance, stick a review on iTunes. That makes a big difference to how many people discover our our little podcast. What else have I got to say? I think that's about it. Oh, one last thing uh, was just to say that I'm conscious that... Uh, it's been a male orientated uh, podcast for a little bit. Uh, that is because uh, we've had a few interviews with females uh, that have just, uh, well, they just haven't happened for one reason or another. Uh, it is something I'm conscious of. I, I very much want to, uh, to keep the gender balance. Uh, so if you were thinking that I'm a big sexist, then know that I'm not. And, uh, the balance will be addressed shortly. I think that's about it. I think you should just listen to the episode now. Uh, enjoy Ben. He's a funny chap. I should say as well that this episode has a few naughty words. If you're offended by naughty words, then go elsewhere today. This isn't for you. I will speak to you at the end. Enjoy Ben Moss. 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I think that's what they uh, pillow, pillow talk. They between. teach people for Radio Four. Oh, really? It's like You're supposed to supposed to talk. Really just, just just whisper to the microphone. Yeah, right? really. It's, it's it. just it's just you and me <laughs> here right now. This is the news. Six <laughs> o'clock. No, it's six six o'clock. It's like this. It's kind of three in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's the love. <laughs> Uh, cool. So Ben Moss. Hello. That's me. <laughs> uh, why, why don't you tell me? Well, that's a terrible start, but why don't you tell me, uh, <laughs> what, what are we doing here at Bristol Wood Recycling Project at six o'clock? At six o'clock, uh, um, about half an hour ago, most of the members of staff have gone home. There are a few loitering here still. <clears throat> um, What's going on? We're sitting in the common room of our new building. I say new building. We've been here for two years now, but it feels new compared to the old building where we were for nearly 14 years. Um, and we've got, um, an array of, of rescued artifacts that we've come across from our collections, recycling wood. Uh, Bristol Wood Recycling Project recycles wood. And so some of the stuff we've, we're surrounded by is some of the stuff we've collected over the years. Uh, there's also a large framed picture of the sorting office in on Cattle Market Road that we looked at for 14 years. It's now been demolished. Uh, and the new Bristol University campus will mm. emerge from that. Um, but we're, we're sitting in the common room of our new site, uh, at William Street in the centre of Bristol. Nice. And for the uninitiated, uninitiated, uninformed, it's a bit, sounds a bit judgmental. It does, doesn't it? it? But uninitiated sounds quite, quite. Right, I'll say quite, that again. I'm quite fun. Splice it in. <laughs> uh, so for the uninitiated, uh, what do you do at Bristol Wood Recycling Project? Okay, so Bristol Wood Recycling Project is a cooperative and it's a social enterprise. It was started in 2004. Um, we have four objectives to save resources from waste, mm-hmm. to provide affordable resources to the local community, to enable social inclusion and learning through volunteering and work placement opportunities, and for the core of the business to remain self-financing. Mm-hmm. So to break that down into something a little bit more uh, interesting than that kind of rigid framework, we go out to building sites and other places with our vans. We've got three vans, which are like sort of transits with cages on the back. Uh, we go to whoever's throwing away wood waste. They pay us to take away their wood waste. We take it all away as like a commercial service. We bring it back to site. We unload what's good about 25% of what we collect is good. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of it, we bulk up and then we take it to another place where it is, uh, what's called, um, well, it's, it's, they, it, it's energy from waste. They call it, um, incineration, incineration. Let's see. Exactly. Um, that's what we, what we can't use goes there, but the 25% right. that we can use, we take it into the yard, the nails and the screws, are. uh, taken out of here the rough ends are cut up uh cut off and then all of the wood goes into the yard um where there is we have a wood shop and anyone from the general public can come and buy our wood 
Um, there's also a workshop, which you know about, Jeffrey. I do. Um, where we make all sorts of beautiful items from some of the wood that we collect, um, some of the wood that we, we are rescuing from going to waste. And then as a social enterprise, that, that social inclusion aspect, we work with volunteers throughout everything that we do. So in the vans, in the yard, in the workshop, uh, and the self finance, financing aspect is kind of classic social enterprise triple bottom line. It's called. So Ooh. there's a, you know, yes, we make money to keep the thing running, mm-hmm. but we also invest in our, you know, what the social environmental objectives are. So we're not like a charity. We don't need, we don't have supporters. We don't have people subscribing to us. We don't get grant funding. Mm-hmm. We generate all of our own money and we kind of generate about, uh, over a third of a million pounds income last year. Really? Mm. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a fully, fully operating business. Um, we've got 10 paid members of staff and over a thousand volunteer days a year wow. given to us and over, uh, it's, it's sort of about 10 tons of wood waste a week that we're yeah. collecting. Something like that. So, uh, so over five hundred, well over five hundred tons of wood that we collect a year. So now that's the headline stuff. Thousand volunteers, a uh, thousand volunteer days, five hundred tons of wood um, a year, and ten members of staff. Yeah. What, what sort of places are you collecting the wood from? Um, it's generally construction, new build construction, be it for office stuff or house building. Mm-hmm. But we can also get. People who are ripping up their old decking or the university that's, that's clearing out their old, um, lecture hall or Mrs. Miggins, whose husband was a carpenter and squirreled all of his wood away and has recently passed away and she'd like us to come and collect it. Um, to the manufacturing company who gets all their, their, um, their metal detection equipment delivered in cardboard in wooden boxes and we have to come pick them up. Right. So yeah, all sorts, just like all sorts, we collect from all sorts of places really. And that's, that's pretty impressive that, so it's a, you said a third of a million pounds revenue. So you said, yeah, income, yeah, income. Yeah. Uh, so that's all from people's, you know, what would be thrown away? Uh, what would be going to landfill? Landfill? Mm, they've really perfected the kind of energy from waste. Resource recovery was the words I was struggling to Ooh. regurgitate because they're kind of, Sexy. it's, it's, it's new speak, really. Resource <laughs> recovery. I mean, it, it's good. It's not a hole in the ground, but it is just burning it. Um, but in the 16 years that we've been operating, you know, the world of waste has, has evolved considerably. Mm. There's very little goes to landfill now. Um, most stuff is sorted, but what's interesting is that we're able to rescue, reuse a third of what we collect. Two thirds of it goes up in smoke effectively. Mm-hmm. If you were to go to those sites where they're chipping up everything that we're taking, mm-hmm. even if they were to reuse like a fraction of it, 10% of it, think how much value that would create. Because the value here isn't just we're getting paid to collect the woods and then maybe we're selling it. There's also the value of, um, there's a social value of the community that, that is mobilized towards dealing with that, mm-hmm. that turning that waste into, into something of value, uh, resource, but also, and the, and the meaning therein, but also the, um, as glib as it might sound, the customers who actually come and buy stuff from here and the kind of sense of like, um, sense of meaning in a very shallow way, but like this stuff was once waste, you know, Mm. a reconnection with like, what is this stuff that we're buying, consuming? What's, where's this stuff going? Like, these are all really big questions. I think societally we have to think about where is this thing come from and where is it going when I'm done with it? So, um, you know, the value that's generated here from a third of what we collect, and we collect a tiny amount in comparison to what you see at these sites. So, um, yeah, it's, it's remarkable what we, 
what we achieve and it's also equally remarkable about like what could they be doing with all that waste instead of what was throwing it in a hole and now burning mm. it. And so um what sort of people do you get coming in here for like buying the wood, buying the what are they are there's is there a a model uh customer or is Yeah, there... beard, glasses, <laughs> beanie hair. Slightly long hair, curly. Um, <laughs> Sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, I look in the mirror at something like that. Um, no, it, genu- it depends on the day. Um, Saturday is a retail day and we have a very kind of different customer, or not very different kind of customer, but can be quite different from during the week. But generally, it's not possible to generalise the customer. You can get everyone from someone who's moved to Bristol recently from another part of the country and have just bought a house and they've got some money to spend on doing it up and they'd love they love our aesthetic and our ethic and they're just like great build me a kitchen mm-hmm. to a student who is just wanting a cheap bit of ply that um they can do some art on to a bunch of extinction rebels who want some wood that they can build a um uh, uh, something for an action or a, or a graffiti artist, a famous graffiti artist who might want to come and buy some wood to some dude who's doing up a house to rent out to students is just trying to do something cheap. Mm. You know, we get, we get everyone. Um, and when you're serving these people, you can have a roller coaster of time. You can fall in love with people and, and despise people on a daily <laughs> basis, but such as the rich, rich, texture of, of life and and the humans who who exist within it <laughs> no we don't hate that many customers that's, <laughs> that's quite extreme but we get you know there are a lot of really amazing people who come up by wood here from mm. all sorts of backgrounds and you can always always get a fairly good bit of chat with them about what they're trying to do and and they might also like start responding about like wanting to know more about here so it's it, again that's kind of like part of the value of here i think is that it's a it's a different kind of experience from if you were to go to your uh industrial estate um industrial unit diy company yeah you know it's just going to be into something slightly different from mm-hmm. what we do here um i'm particularly impressed with the the range of uh woods you've got here because uh, there's really everything from little bits of uh hardwood uh old floorboards mm. Uh, some like tropical hardwood mm. chiming big bits of, uh, of stuff, you know, ply, mm. scaff boards, mm. four by two, three by two. Mm. Yeah. Oh, and the, the beautiful, uh, slab cuts, wainy edge mm. slab stuff. Mm. So there is, you know, I guess while people don't know that. You know, they're not going to a shop where there's always a stock of, a particular dimension mm. they know that there's enough enough of a range to to be able to find what they what they need yeah i think generally, generally i mean people people you need to come back here regularly i think that's you know we always say to customers like come in like if they're looking for something specific it's like just come and have a look I describe it as a jumble sale of wood. <laughs> you just, you can get all sorts of maybe car boot sale of wood because, you know, it's car boot sale. There's just some bits are like, oh my God, where's that from? <laughs> um, there's, I think if you're a volume house builder or whatever, this place is just not really what you need when you want need consistency. I need 30 sheets of eight by four, 18 mil. It's like, well, it's fairly unlikely you're going to get that here, but on the odd chance you might very odd chance but it's possible <laughs> um but if someone's looking for that like some dude came in earlier with a uh a, a leg or a i don't know what you call it but a bit connecting the legs of an old chair a bit of oak that was full of woodworm and he was looking for a bit that would replace it it's like well we've got boxes of stuff like there you might be able to find what you need um we get wood from a community-owned uh, sawmill on the other side of the seven estuary of mm. Wales, uh, the Wentwood estate. So we get, yeah, we get these really cool bits of, um, 
hardwood and softwood that's sort of locally sourced uh, and relatively sustainably managed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say relatively sustainably managed because it's not going to have the FSC timber mark, but that's because it's like, you know, farmers with like a tree yeah. here and there that they're pulling out the yeah, occasional tree rather exactly. than clear cutting a, exactly. a woodland. So we get lots of that stuff. And we also get some really random stuff that if the, uh, the, the patterning of the universe is working correctly, <laughs> just when you're str- scratching your head going, what on earth are we going to do with that? Someone will come in and be like, that's exactly what I'm looking for. <laughs> and if things aren't working quite right, you've, we've had it for months on end and someone's decided to get rid of it in one way or another. And the next day someone will come in and say, I'm looking for this. And you're like, ah. Oh. <laughs> but you know there is it's it's kind of there are all sorts of odd bits that turn up here and loiter for a while and then go and kind of like a reclamation yard you know there are some things where it's like we can't we've got to keep that for it's the way that it's been handcrafted the way mm. that it, it is that thing and we've got to keep hold of it because someone will want that um but there's also a constant tension here of space you know what can of we course, hang on yeah. to as any good reclaim, any good kind of hoarder will know, <laughs> beware hoarding too much stuff because before you know it, your every nook and cranny is going to be full of stuff that only you know what it is and no one can find anything and you get all sorts of stagnant chi energy all over the place. You're just going <laughs> to, you know, you got to keep the, got to keep the stock flowing as well. So, yeah. What's the um? What's the story with the big? Uh, it's not a piano. It's uh, it's, it's an organ thing. Oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's one of those things. Where it's like, what's that doing there? It's like uh, it stands about. It stands up about yeah. Stands at about six foot tall. It's about three and a half feet wide. About two feet deep. It's got a foot pump on the bottom where you pump that and uh, and then it puts air through the through the organ and then you can play the organ i've got no idea where it turned up from someone just brought it in and uh <laughs> one of the one of the co-op members of staff were like yeah that's great we'll have that and hopefully someone will turn up and say that's exactly the one i'm looking for rather than in a few months time we say we've got to get rid of that thing and then two days later someone turns up mm-hmm. and goes, oh, i was looking for that i'm looking for an organ yeah well <laughs> yeah <laughs> might happen <laughs> so um one of the things i find really interesting about this organization do you call it an organization yeah i think so is that the right term yeah it's kind of it's it is an organization uh, organization it's, it's a business at the end of the day it is a business uh it's a company limited by guarantee mm-hmm. um and yeah it's also a co- it's a cooperative and we have members which means it is kind of like an organization because you kind of got to organise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah it more is. Organisation than most. Yeah, it's an organisation and business. I mean, that's kind of part of the social element, the social enterprise aspect. You mm-hmm. know, sort of doesn't quite fit any box. Yeah. perfectly, which is great. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so, yeah, the the thing I find kind of most interesting is the social inclusion mm-hmm. element. Mm. Um, and so, on sort of every, well, how many how many sort of volunteers? would you have here on any given day? Well, let's have a look at the board, shall we? Look, the board in front of us says today, which is, uh, that will be um, Thursday, the 5th of February, I think. We've got... March. Oh, thanks, March uh, 2020. Um, no, I, I almost time. wrote 2018 oh, the, my, today. Okay, well, there you go. I might <laughs> oh. get it wrong with February. But at, least, <laughs> at least I know it's 2020, I think. Uh, we've got uh, Graham, Mick, Vic... M- Mark, Lindsay, Vincent, Anna, and Jane. Jane only in the morning. So Thursday, we've got there seven or seven and a half volunteers coming in. Um, and today we had th- three. Did we have in here today? Wednesdays can be slightly different. Um, generally, you know, we're getting upwards of four volunteers a day mm-hmm. and on some days we'll have a whole load depending on how many staff there are because if there are lots of collections going on and if there's lots going on in the workshop and lots going on in the yard and full staffing then actually we can have more, way more than eight we can have ten and mm-hmm. uh, yes so we'll be back after a quick break hey there i'm mick from the mick and pat show 
That's right. And I'm Pat. Looking for a podcast that's like catching up with old friends? Well, you're in luck. We're here to bring you weekly doses of lifestyle commentary, discuss culture and politics, and top it off with the occasional beer and film reviews. But it's not just about us. We're a community. Our listeners are our kin, and we let you all have a say in what we discuss. So saddle up and join the conversation at The Mick and Pat Show. You can check out our website or find us wherever you get your podcasts. And what, what is it that the volunteers are, are doing? Uh, well, as I said, out in the van, in the yard, in the so workshop. They, they are, yeah, they are doing all of those things. They're doing all those things. When they get in the workshop, they need to have done 10 visits because the workshop, there's an extra level of kind of... Uh, an extra layer of, of health and safety and uh, technicalities about using things. And so there's a degree of wanting to have some kind of investment of time so that we know that, you know, it's, it's an appealing thing to be able to get into the workshop. Mm. Um, and some volunteers, you know, some people come for four or five times and decide it's not really what they, what they want. Some people come for, years and years one of our longest standing volunteers has been coming in for 14 years now so almost since the beginning then. yeah since early since really early days um so obviously if someone's just going to be doing coming five times you to spend a lot of time in the workshop to um to take time out and and show them how tools are used and how what, what we can produce from them that it's better to know that then having invested some time in showing them how to do it, that that we'll be able to work alongside each other for a bit longer so that they can, we can both parties can start benefiting from that investment of time. Yeah. Okay. And so, so the volunteers will spend their, their day just aiding and assisting, uh, you know, the, the business achieve its, its aims and to, to yeah. sort of create the, the value from the, the timber it's, that's collected and, yeah, I mean, for for a volunteer, the standard, let's kind of, let's imagine a, a day, you know, we'll, they'll come in here for quarter to nine in the morning, we'll all have our nice tea and coffee, we'll do the morning meeting at nine, where we'll talk about what we're doing for the day, and then at quarter past nine, everyone will scatter to their various directions um, with their health and safety equipment on, their steel toe cap boots and their gloves and their high-vis jacket that we provide here. They might go out in the van with Jacob and they'll go to a construction site. So they'll have to go through the, um, through the kind of site entrance there and, um, get directed to a corner of the yard. And then they will help with the other two people in the van. They'll help load in all of that wood, be it a load of pallets and maybe some ply and OSB and some lengths of uh, three by two that the builders have decided isn't worth them keeping. Um, working in all conditions, you know, in, in, in rain and rain and, uh, mud and in, in blazing sunshine, um, and work there safely and, and, um, efficiently. That's, you know, that work can be pretty physical, pretty, mm-hmm. uh, gets you fit, gets you tired. It's really good for some people, you know, if some people have been at home for whatever reason, uh, actually getting out and having some routine and doing some physical exercise is really important. Um, then, They'll fall back into the van with uh, Jacob and they'll drive back here and they'll get back here in time for lunch. Um, and we'll all sit around and have our lunch from quarter to one until half one. And we get our lunches from a place called Tiffin Time, who are nearby on, on just off Old Market, which mm-hmm. is a sort of uh, fairly interesting part of Bristol that's undergone lots of changes in the last 10 years or so. Um our tiffin time get delivered by bicycle and we all sit around and have either our meat option or our veggie option and people will chew the cud, shoot the breeze, talk about stuff. Uh, and that's a really convivial thing. You know, you'll get everyone sitting around the table from, um, you know, volunteers who are here on their first time to, um, volunteers have been here for, for 13 years to directors who have been here since the start and mm-hmm. people chat, whatever. Um, then in the afternoon, maybe the volunteer, having unloaded all that wood, will then set upon taking all the nails out of the three by two and cleaning up all those bits of ply. And then they'll speak to Jen in the shop and say, where should we put it all and put it into the, into the racks and maybe label some of the stuff, get the right price on it so we can sell it. And then we'll have a tea break at three o'clock and, um, for a quarter of an hour, you know, have another little chat. And then maybe they'll go into the workshop and help alongside 
Jeffrey or or, <laughs> or Caleb or Liz, uh, and maybe they'll finish that sanding job or um, that that bookshelf um, or that that bench top that's been made. And then at sort of quarter to four, quarter to five, we'll gather back in this room in the common room and just do a sort of debrief, check out, see how everyone is, see see how everyone's learnt things. Um, ask when people next want to come in fill in the fill in the board and then as a volunteer you know boots off um oh hang on maybe they've done their 10th visit mm. they've done their 10th visit and they're awarded their hooded top uh their bristol wood recycling project branded top that only only uh volunteers who've done more than 10 visits and only members of staff get um so maybe there's a little fanfare of that and a mm-hmm. And then the volunteer will get back on their bicycle or walk to the bus st- stop or go to Temple Meads. Um, you know, we reimburse, reimburse travel costs and they'll nice. go home weary and satisfied that they've done something <laughs> really productive and learnt some stuff and hung out with some nice people and yeah, and, and felt sense of agency within a, within a, a world where there's lots of waste happening and lots of kind of, um, lots of stuff to grizzle about. There's some a little corner of, of positivity going on. And do you think that's uh, the sort of main thing? I guess what I'm asking is what what's the sort of reasons that people come here? Like why why would a volunteer want to volunteer here? Is there? There's. I mean, broadly speaking, and every single individual will have a different story, obviously. But broadly speaking, it's a it's a number of things. Um, Commonly, it's it's learning skills, um, mm-hmm. wanting to do something with wood. Um, beyond that, it's get out of the house, be part of a community, meet mm-hmm. people, do stuff. Um, and beyond all of that, it's a sense. I think it's a sense of agency of just like being. A, some people just want to, you know, do something with wood. Some people want to stop waste happening yeah. they want to they want fighting for the cause and... yeah there's there's a bigger kind of a uni- bigger universal issue that they're participating in and wanting to to um improve and you know it can be anything from like i just want to get out of the house mm-hmm. to i want to save the world you know and maybe in the transition maybe there'll be a transition from one to the other so um at the end of the day, we what we want to do is provide at a Bristol Wood Recycling Project. We want to provide a safe, comfortable environment where people feel welcome, feel empowered, feel um, like we give them the resources that they need, so as to um, to, to learn and to grow and mm-hmm. to to feel like yeah, they've got that sense of agency. <coughs> nice. Um. So how did all this this come about? This, you know, you've obviously had uh, quite a few years to to practice and to, to sort of grow into mm. what's happening now. How did like how does one start a wood recycling project? Mm. Um, so like personally, starting it because was... you you've been here since the beginning, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, so, um, Nicola Padden and I started this back in 2004. And for me, certainly I'd, I'd just arrived in Bristol and I had come from, uh, graduated from university a couple of years before, felt very depressed about the state of the world, done some traveling, saw, you know, seen what was going on elsewhere. It was like, hmm. It's all a bit, bit of a mess all over the place. Lots of positive stuff, but lots. I, I studied anthropology and geography and was aware of social issues and, and um, environmental issues and the effect on on, on on people around the world. You know, people of, uh, of a place finding that their worlds are being changed very quickly by globalisation, briefly put, I suppose. <laughs> um, I came back to the UK and got involved in organic farming and permaculture and did a course in sustainable land use and then um went to went back to to um to travel and went and did some work in southern africa sort of volunteering in in malawi mm-hmm. um growing fruit trees and and um and um making compost and sharing with community how you make compost and how you look after fruit trees um and came back to the UK and went, hmm, that wasn't quite what I was doing, where, where I should go, move to Bristol. And um, 
I was very like, I just want to do something positive. Um, <coughs> and I volunteered at a place called the Community Recycling Network and met Nicola there. And at that annual conference that we were both volunteering, there was a guy called Richard Mehmed from Brighton and Hove Wood Recycling Project and Richard mm-hmm. Mehmed. So this would have been May 2003. Uh, Richard Mehmed was saying, um, Brighton and Hove has been going for five years and it's got, um, no, it's three years and we've got five year, five people employed and every city can, should have one of these. And, uh, and Nicola and I were like, that's amazing. Let's do that. Um, it wasn't quite as like straightforward as let's do it in <laughs> Bristol, but we were like, that'd be really cool to do in Bristol. Um, and I coincidentally, I then got a job at the community recycling network and received an email because, uh, Lizzie was on holiday and I had to receive all the emails and distribute them around, around the office. And there was an email from Bristol city council saying, we've got a site available rent free for a short period of time. Neat is a bit grubby, needs a lick of paint, but suitable for a community project. Uh, I got in contact with the guy, John boss and said, can we have a look at this place? Nicola and I went there with Rick Mehmed, mm-hmm. uh, and Rick was like, bite their arm off, get it. Um, and so <laughs> we, put, we put a proposal in saying, you know, Bristol Wood Recycling Project is doing this and, you know, we collect, we want, we're going to collect wood and we're going to work with volunteers from all sorts of backgrounds and we're going to sell wood and we just need a site. And the council said, yes, great. You can have that ground floor of that building and you can have the parking area out back. And, uh, John Boss said to us, I don't think the arena's ever going to happen. Um, that was what the, the land, that was the guy, the, the, that was originally why the building was vacated because there was this idea back in the early two thousands that there would be an arena Mm. built in Bristol. And this building was on the site of where it was going to be. And, uh, the council decided to, to leave the building because it would need refurbishing completely to make it disabled access because there's some legislation that came through back in 2003, I guess it was. Uh, and they thought there's no point us refurbishing this plainly, you know, unrefurbishable build unrefurbishable building it was like a victorian cottage um we'll just leave it empty because it's going to get demolished and it didn't get demolished and they left it empty for a few months and squatters were trying to get in and that's when the shout out went out Mm. the arena itself was was shelved completely three years later maybe two years later with much aghast from the bristolian newspaper reading massive and like shock horror hundreds of thousands spent on consultation fees but but, they they started to build bridges and no no no, this was 2007 or six right it all went quiet until 2013 Mm. when the cadaver was was resuscitated brought back from the dead (laughs) the idea of an arena in the center of bristol was all kind of hot to trot again in 2015 it was all about this arena so we actually from a we were there from 2004 and like i said we moved out there two two years ago um the short period of time was actually nearly 14 years right. uh the rent free aspect went from rent free it was five grand a year um by the end which is peanuts yeah for city center location but um you know so you the question was you know how could you do something like this there are a set of circumstances that you need in place. I think mm-hmm. you need to be in a city or a town. You need to have construction going on. You need a location where you can be in the centre of town and you need it ideally to be subsidised. Mm-hmm. Subsidised to the point whereby a self-sustaining business with a good identity um, can can survive because that's effectively what we did. Yeah. Um, it, that I believe, considering the vast wealth that is can be found in this day and age, you know, there should be some wealthy landowners out there somewhere, or some philanthropists who are like, hell yeah, I'm going to mm. hand over a, a plot of, you know, this this it's site, brownfield site somewhere. Brown, you, you know, it doesn't. It could just be this kind of project could be run from a few porter cabins and a mm. bunch of outdoor space, you know, as long as it was secure. Um, you know, there's such a need for low cost space for social enterprises, whatever their endeavor be, 
re, re you know recycling or food or arts you know that's what we need mm-hmm. that's community space is needed to affordable community space and i think you know austerity has led to an end for sent for councils to do that but there's such a need for it and i think that things are developing you know new forms emerge of of property ownership and cooperative owning of buildings could provide um space so it's a tricky one how does something like this work is you need to find some people who basically committed to wanting to make something like this work you want to make it your core team yeah you you need some people who are willing to make a difference who want to uh do make make a difference in the world and kind of work hard and richard mehmed who i mentioned from brighton hove he went on to set up the national community wood recycling project now that's been going for quite a long time now probably 15 years right and they have set up um 30 projects over the country now more than 30 around the country community wood community wood recycling is what they're called now um and you know they've got the templates they've got the blueprints essentially it's a social franchise Mm -hmm. um the models are the same collect wood sell wood make stuff work with volunteers um there's different iterations of it you know whether you're going to be a a cic or a co-op or a not-for-profit or or if you're going to be under the wing of a national charity but it's essentially the same thing um and uh as long as uh you know there's there's prerequisites of of brand and identity in terms of national enables us to collect from national house builders and in order to do so we've got to make sure that we are performing within health and safety um wearing the correct ppe working operating in the correct way Mm -hmm. um for those kind of people working on construction sites um cscs cards are often what's necessary to work on a construction site the volunteers that we work with don't have cscs card Mm. but the major national and international construction companies that national brokers deals with um the, allow, so the, the national uh, national community wood recycling project broker deals with these yeah. international and national companies and they don't the volunteers don't have to have cscs cards because the inductions that we do here are so thorough mm. um but they're to the day, yes and then, but they're and there too, this framework that National provides. So that's all part of the, you know, if you are going to be a wood recycler, you need to play by the games that mm-hmm. National put in place. But there's huge freedom within that. And the um, strap line for community wood recycling is um, saving resources, uh, changing lives. And that's, that's kind of, that's kind of what it's about. So, um, yeah, they've done amazing work. We are, one of the oldest ones along with Brighton Mm -hmm. um, with the second oldest and, you know, great um, reputation, I think that we've got, but certainly you're, you know, like an institution in, in Bristol. I think everyone, yeah. Yeah. They know the name. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's no, it's, it's even known internationally. I think sometimes, you know, well, yeah. Well, well, we, there have been visitors here over the years from, we have visitors from Korea and from the States and Europe and, you know, um, so yeah, you know, there is, and it's really cool. I mean, this kind of model, cooperative national community wood recycling project and the other, uh, groups under that. We're the only one that's a cooperative. Right. So I, I will blow the trumpet for the, uh, for the co-op movement, but mm-hmm. essentially there should be, uh, there should be social enterprises dealing with our with there's so much waste and there's so much social uh value that can be generated through uh approaching what is but what is could otherwise be wasted um and yes skip companies and waste companies deal with with waste but i wonder about the future where co-ops and there's a real there's the kind of triple bottom line where yeah you need to make money but you also need to invest in the community and Mm -hmm. you need to invest in the environment and you that's 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 what the future of business should be about you know uh fuck profit you know (laughs) profit profit makes things work but 
you know, or maybe I should say fuck shareholders. You know, right. it, it, it's not about, this isn't about shareholder value. It's about, yes, people are fairly paid here or we're trying to do that. Everyone's on a, more than a living wage here, mm-hmm. but we want to make sure that we reinvest in the business so that we can keep on furthering our objectives and the volunteers who are part of this and the members who are part of the co-op have a great sense of well-being by participating here. And that's that's really what the economy needs to be about. It's the well-being of society and well-being of the planet, not about extraction of profit and distribution of profit to, mm-hmm. to distant uh, bodies and individuals. That was a, a good rant at the end there. <laughs> <laughs> no rant. Truth. That's <laughs> truth. Um, so, yeah, the... I mean, I guess there's more to say on the co-op. Do, do people know what co-ops are? Uh, I can explain a little bit about co-op. Yeah. Well, you, you just for, for anyone that might not be aware of anything other than the co-op supermarket. Okay, so a cooperative is a service that is provided by the community that the service is for. Mm-hmm. Basically, that's kind of so. It's kind of like the people who are the recipients of the thing are the people who own the thing right. as well. That's, you know, it's kind of complex and simple at the same time. So um, here at Bristol Wood Recycling Project, we are uh, employees, once they pass probation, become co-op members. Volunteers, once they reach certain criteria of, of um, involvement, so more than a year of volunteering and, and uh, an ongoing um, contribution to the to the organization and an understanding of the business and culture um they can join as well so um we have these employee and supporter members collectively we come together at meetings and we decide on the ongoing kind of strategy and direction of the business Mm -hmm. um we've got we've got other kind of platforms whereby decisions are made and 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 directions are taken but essentially the the co-op members are like the shareholders. They're mm-hmm. the, the, once you become a member, you are kind of an owner of the company. Right. So um, it's a really great way of doing business. It's, it, co-ops have been around for oh, more than 150 years now. Uh, they first came out of uh, uh, up north in Manchester. Yes. Um, Liz was just saying that co-op museum exists. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they are, I mean, they are... They can, I wouldn't say they disappeared. They're having a real resurgence now. There are a lot here in Bristol. We've got the Cube Cinema, the Bristol Bike Project, the Bristol Cable, which is a, uh, a media outlet, a newspaper effectively, mm-hmm. that is owned by the people who um, receive it. You know, it's just, it's just, so the co op supermarket, the way that works is that as a customer, you can also be a, a, a member, which it, you get a redistribution of you're kind of like a shareholder so you can get dividends back mm-hmm. so that's kind of a bit of a, a kind of simplified way of doing things but there is a whole there's a vast ecology of co-ops from worker co-ops and consumer co-ops and and um you know different levels of participation and like there can be economic participation where you you have to kind of invest in the thing um to just kind of uh, participation of, of regular commitment. There are housing co-ops. There's there's um, co- cooperative farms. You know, there's loads of stuff, and it's really exciting in this time where um, mega business, mm. global interest, like conglomeration of things are happening. It's a very interesting kind of emergence of different ways of doing things. It's a real kind of quite a rich quality to it. The, the, the co-ops are sometimes mocked because it takes so long for the decisions to be made. But I think that's more of a sim, uh, demonstrative of like the quality that there is within it. And mm-hmm. if you want everyone to be involved in it and own and own it, then you need that kind of quality of engagement with decision mm. making, because then there's a consensus like, yes, we're doing that. And it's a very different structure from a hierarchical one where there's just a, you know, some directors and some shareholders and they decide what's going on you know yeah we are we're the directors we're the shareholders you know as members we can decide collectively which way to go about it so uh, that's that's quite yeah that'll do on the co-op (laughs) i hope people might understand that yeah well there's definitely lots of information out there that people can 
can tap into and I'll uh, I'll put some links. Yeah. Co-ops UK, a good place to start. There you go, yes. Tell me about this building we're in. It's a it's come about in a, a fairly unique way. Yeah, definitely. Um so when we were having to leave Cattle Market Road, when the um the churning of the decision making of what was gonna happen to that area, which is called the Temple Quarter Zone. Um when we finally discovered that it, yes, it was the university that would be uh developing the area and it wouldn't be an arena. Or no, there was gonna be an arena. Oh, I can't remember this is really boring. Um, <laughs> and anyway, when we when we found out that we were gonna have to leave that area, um the Temple Quarter Zone um at the end of 2017 mm-hmm. uh then we really put out the shout out to our networks of like we need to find a home now and um sometimes the universe conspires to make things happen and through uh beautiful serendipity we found ourselves outside this building um which was is was 800 meters away from our old site mm-hmm. and um the owner of it happened to be someone who we used to collect wood from and uh was kind of we were able to get the phone number of and we were able to discuss it with them about purchasing it we negotiated a uh that we would rent it until we were able to work out some of the legal complications of the of uh the deeds and the deeds involved but once we had clear title of it then we would be able to purchase it for a, for an amount. Mm-hmm. When clear title was achieved, we then went to Triodos Bank, which is um, Bristol-based social and ecological bank. Mm-hmm. Their their UK office is here in Bristol, but they're actually from uh, the Netherlands. Um, we went to Triodos Bank and said, we've got this site, we really want to buy it. We haven't got money to enable us to get a mortgage we have got a a business that is very successful with which makes a modest surplus each year uh we've spanked most of the money that we've saved over 14 years and just moving site and paying a year's rent up front but we believe that we can uh you know we we're a strong um offer to people mm-hmm. um if we could figure out uh, an investment into this place and Trudos bank said yes we can do this we've got a crowdfund platform um whereby you can reach out to the community of their investors and our people and um and we can raise the money that way so what it was was a bond offer to which was open to anyone to invest in. It was a minimum investment of £50 mm-hmm. up to £20,000 was how much you could invest for uh, the ISA. So it came mm. under an ISA package. Uh, because it was through Triodos Bank, it was uh, Financial Services Authority certified. So it's all like legit. Um, Six-year investment with a 4% interest rate. Um, and the bondholders basically own the building mm-hmm. we pay back the bondholders at four percent of their investment each year and at the end of the sixth year we pay back the bondholders in the entirety right. so the idea is at the end of the six years we will have um we would so at four percent that we're paying people back it's kind of like a subsidy it's like an interest only mortgage yeah um we will squirrel away a surplus each year. So at the end of year six, we will be able to go to the bank and say, we now have X amount of money and we want a mortgage. And that mortgage will enable us to pay back all of the bondholders. Uh, and then the building is ours. Um, the building is ours anyway. We have built, bought the building. We raised £430,000 in three weeks. Nice. Uh, last year. Um, over half the money came from within Bristol. Over half the investors came from within Bristol. Nice. Um, so it's very much like a local, you know, it was it, yeah, lots of people from, um, from our community, some, some volunteers, some employees, customers, um, all sorts of people were just like, yeah, we believe in this. And Triodos made it so that 50 quid was a minimum investment. So if people wanted to have like a chunk mm. of BWRP, they could. Um, and, that's amazing because for 14 years, 
you know, when we moved into Cattle Market Road, that was always with the idea that we would be, um, uh, like it was a short term thing. Mm. <laughs> initial, the initial lease was three months, right. three months really rolling contract. Term. And then we had it for three years. I think at one point, at one point we had a five year lease, which to me was like, holy moly, that was amazing. But still, and I was like, yeah, but at the end of that, we're going to have to find somewhere else. But that thing kept on ticking forward. So it was, it was, you know, kind of like playing an arcade game, you know, where you, <laughs> when you put like another, you know, the time was right, I put another 50p in for another go. It was kind of like that, but you knew that at some point it was just going to run out. Mm-hmm. Um, that was quite a source of stress in the long term. It was like an uncertainty. We could never really fully invest in the business. Um, people personally couldn't like within their own faith of like, this is like the future, but, um, it was just a difficult thing here. We're here, like we're sitting in this common room. This is our home. Mm-hmm. We've got plants. We're talking about how we're going to, you know, the outside of the building is beautiful. Any listener should come and visit or at least look at the website. You know, we've got beautiful murals outside that uh, a brilliant volunteer has done for us, a guy called Pat Daw. Um, there's a giant saw to scale uh, <laughs> on the corner of our building. Um, we've got an amazing workshop. We're talking about further development of the place. It's just like, this going back to what I was talking about earlier of like subsidized spaces for community projects. Mm-hmm. If you give a community project a permanent home and you have the right culture and the right values and the right kind of vision, amazing things can flourish. And that's I, I, that we have been able to do that is great. And I really hope that we can uh, inspire others to do that. And I hope other people can kind of um, also kind of keep us in check about like what's, what's, um, the right thing to be doing when you're privileged enough to kind of own your own yeah. space because it is when people, so many people are struggling they're either struggling to find a home business is struggling to find homes people are struggling to find homes and this is a safe place for lots of us now and that's that's an amazing thing to have and to cherish Selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, thank you again to Ben. Thanks for taking the time to chat to us. And thank you as well to all the people down at Bristol Wood Recycling Project. So if you are in Bristol, do come down and check out all the uh, the great selection of, of timber and, and volunteering opportunities. If you're not in Bristol, then go to communitywoodrecycling.org.uk and find your local project. Um, and And if you're in Brighton, and happen to have uh, some land or know of some land or some premises, uh, they are in the last few weeks of, of being in their premises. They are looking for another, another spot just like Bristol did. Um, so if you are Brighton way, and I know we've got quite a few uh, listeners down there, then do please uh, get in touch. You can find out about their project at woodrecycling.org.uk I think that's it I think that's all Uh, thanks again for listening thank you again to Ben until the next time speak soon bye bye
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.